Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Greenfield, where real people connect. Hello and welcome back to the Matrix Greenpool podcast. I am Hilmarie Hutchison and today we have a true trailblazer in the world of talent and recruitment. He is the CEO and co-founder of MCG Talent, a visionary in the field who has left his mark on major global cities. With an impressive background in broadcast communications and a knack for strategic investments, our guest today, Justin McGuire, is here to share his insights and shape the landscape of talent in the modern era. Justin, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start off with you telling our audience a little bit about yourself and your background. I started my professional life in the Marcoms world. I spent seven very happy years working in London in a very fast-paced broadcast communications consultancy where you know I was employee number 12. And by the time I left, there were over 100 people. So that then I was running a team. So really great experience. I decided I didn't want to be in the communications world just because largely I saw people who were not really enjoying their life 10 years older than me at that time. And I thought, well, if that's how they're feeling, let me see if there's something else out there. But I didn't quite know what it was. So I went to a map of the world and span it and put my finger on Honduras of all places and decided to move there, which was a year of teaching English which was great. And then I came back from there refreshed with a renewed passion for the communications world that I perhaps lost in my seven years in agency life, but decided I want to interact with it, but perhaps do something different. And that was recruit for it. So I saw an opportunity to set up in a talent business in the UK at the time that serviced the marketing communications and digital sector. I was one of a few in London at that time that, that had this business. And then in 2008, I was offered a job in Dubai. So I exited the business that I'd uh, helped set up in the UK and moved over to the UAE, which I was told was the land milk and honey. And I saw that for two weeks before the market crashed quite catastrophically. And the job I came to do never really uh, transformed inspired. Rather than go away, I stuck it out and I set up the business that we've got now, MCG Talent. I saw that there was, once the market started picking up here, I saw there was a great opportunity to be one of the first niche providers. We have been a a niche provider of talent to the marketing, communications and digital world in the MENA region since 2012. And then in Asia since 2016, that's when I decided to, with uh, my business partner, Adam, to open up a branch in Asia in 2016. From then, we've grown into Singapore and we also have a branch in Riyadh and uh, we've got a new office in Colombo, Sri Lanka as well. Wow, how impressive. Phenomenal growth in a relatively short period of time. So congratulations on that to start. I know you mentioned you didn't like what you were seeing in broadcast communications or in communications, but why the shift to talent and recruitment? It wasn't what I didn't like what I was seeing in communications. I think a couple of things happened in my life. You know, I didn't have a break. I went straight into work and it was a very full on job. And I was working insane hours in broadcast comms because it's a 24-7 media. I saw a lot of people get caught up in the lifestyle, particularly at that time in the early 2000s in London. There was a heavy drink culture. There was a heavy going out culture. It just didn't really sit well with me that that was going to how I was going to live my life. There was that. And the fact that I was 26, I decided that I wanted to look at what else was out there and I needed that clean break. I'd also just lost a parent. And I think when something like that happens to you in your life, you do take a moment to reflect. And it was quite sudden. So I decided to make that move to Honduras to teach English. And it was a real sort of eureka moment, really, because I spent a considerable amount of time completely out of my comfort zone. I mean, I didn't do much research on Honduras. I must be honest with you. And it was the, I think it had the second highest murder 
unemployment rate in, in the world at the time I moved there. So it kept you on your toes, but it was a beautiful country, incredibly poor, and made me completely think about something else and really have a time of self-reflection. And it made me not scared about making any sort of wild decisions that I've gone on to move, like moving to Dubai, etc. I moved to Dubai having never been here. All those decisions that I've made in my life since then, I can put down to that move in Honduras where I was completely brave and went out and moved on my own there. Incredible. You have, as you mentioned, your professional journey has taken you to various major world cities. How is working in these diverse cultural environments influenced your approach to talent recruitment? I really get very excited by new markets, the new world, the East. I see the huge potential that there is. And I obviously, when I moved to Dubai, I was offered that job. It was very clear that it was just something completely new and amazing and entrepreneurial and something I'd never really seen before. And I was so excited by it. And then when I went to Asia, when I went to Hong Kong, I could sort of see it was the blueprint that Dubai had followed was very much of the Hong Kong and Singapore model, I felt, to those new age regional hubs. And I was completely hooked and drawn into it. And then, of course, I realized that even though those markets are massive, they weren't as competitive as, say, the UK market or the US market. So I could really make my stamp on those markets and bigger fish in a smaller pond, if you want to call it that. That is what drew me to those parts of the world. And then once I scratched the surface of the talent sector, you realize that there's high demand from businesses that want to open up and grow there. The talent sector is quite tough. So again, the fact that it's quite tough, if I thought, well, if, if it's tough and I really get under the skin and get to understand it and really good at doing that market, then I'll get famous for doing it in that market. Again, I'll, I'll be able to get market share quicker than I would anywhere else. So they were all tactical plays that I made. I'm not sure if you answered me on this. Why talent acquisition? Why talent acquisition? Okay, very good question. And I think it goes back to my communicate, you know, having got back from Honduras, I was offered a number of jobs to go back into the communications world, some very tempting offers. One thing I enjoyed in my job beforehand when I was, in, was building my team. And I knew some people that worked in recruitment. And then also from my experience of using recruitment agencies in the UK when I was looking for a job, I quickly realized that because I was in broadcast communications that was actually moving very heavily into digital, there was no recruitment companies out there that really represented me or understood what I did. So from my experience of being a candidate, combined with my experience of working in communications and my passion for building a team, I realized that actually there could be an opportunity here. And that's where the entrepreneurial cap was put on. And I thought, right, let me build something in the market that I know. Your vision for MCG Talent was to connect discerning businesses with the brightest minds, if I got that right. How has the landscape of talent recruitment evolved since you started and what key challenges have you encountered along the way? Let's go back to 2012 when I set up MCG Talent in Dubai. In my USP then, so why people worked with me was the fact that I was the first niche provider in the region, right? So if you needed Marcoms and Digi people, there was really only me and maybe one other person you went to. That's significantly changed in the time that we've, you know, obviously lots of other competitors have opened here, lots of things in the talent landscape have changed. I've had to evolve what my offering is over time. So that's what, I, what we've done from a business structural sense, which I'll come on to. In terms of the talent landscape out here in terms of what that looks like now. When I first launched, there wasn't a great amount of talent here. A lot of people had left that after the financial crisis, there wasn't a lot of great talent left here. You remember the stories about cars being dumped at the airport, etc. So there was a talent exodus. I had to really sort of promote the Middle East and try and get people in. And most of the work that I was doing at the beginning was relocation back into this market. 
Then over time, I think about it's probably moved to about 50-50 on some sectors from local to international. But as the market's gone through an extreme explosion of growth, and that's largely driven to the Saudi market as well, we're probably moving more towards relocating people here again as well. There isn't enough supply to keep up with the demand, and there isn't enough quality supply to keep up with the demand, shall I say. You mentioned the growth that you've had, that you now have offices across MENA and uh, Asia Pacific. Could you tell us about the challenges and the opportunities you've encountered in these regions and also due to the cultural differences and how you've adapted your strategies? In the GCC market, when the market's good, when things are cooking, it's a great place to be. I think uh, this region had a good COVID, if you want to call it that. And since then, things have been really cooking out here. The oil prices remain pretty steady. Governments are making money. And that's key. When the governments are making money here, when they're investing, when they're turning their petrochemical dollars into investing into other markets to bring non-oil sectors up, then great, we all do well. But there's also times here when that's really tough. And I've been through both. The model I've very much kept in the Middle East is to keep quite a lean footprint here in terms of from our own headcount. But I've all invested quite heavily in outsourcing and our Sri Lanka team that services a big chunk of what we do over here in Dubai. And that keeps us, I think, in a really consistent and good spot when it comes to sustainability and keeping the business growth there. Because I don't want to be a yo-yo boom and bust company, which a lot of businesses are. In Asia, the markets have been pretty stable over the years. We had a bit of a wobble when um, COVID happened and when uh, Hong Kong riots happened in 2019. But you know, that market services billions of people. And we've got footprint in Singapore and Hong Kong. And that business's growth there has been pretty consistent since we opened up. Even This year has been probably one of the tougher years, but still we've managed to come out of it on top. I think that was very smart to keep your workforce in different locations and not rely just in one area, but to have different uh, sections of your business in different areas, I guess it would be the right way to describe that. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Henry. I learned that over time. I think sometimes you've got to, when I think when the oil price hit about $20 a barrel and it was a very tough market here in about, I can't remember, 15, 16, I had nearly 40 heads here in Dubai and I learned a very, you know, we lost a lot of our work overnight, really, or was pulled from us within a month. You learned a very painful lesson about how things, you know, how good can turn to bad very quickly in this market. I learned a lot of lessons from that. And over time and growing the business, you again learn learn a lot of lessons about how to keep a profitable, agile ship. And I think COVID, let's be frank, it's all a big lesson. When everyone was working from home, we all saw what the capabilities were from working from home. Ultimately, our, my customers want us to find great talent really quick. If they could take a pill and they could get the ideal candidate straight away, they would. So what they want is they want a recruitment business that can deliver them great people really quickly without any hassle. And I don't really think they're worried about where they're situated. As long as they've got someone they can meet face to face in Dubai or Saudi, they don't mind where the grunt of the work is done. I agree with you 100%. I think, as you say, I think we all learned that we can make big changes and work differently during COVID. And for sure, you don't all have to be sitting in the same office all the time to be effective at getting your job done. As somebody deeply involved in talent acquisition, what advice or what tips would you give to somebody who is in the market looking for a new challenge or an opportunity? It depends what market you're talking about specifically. But should we just say Dubai, for example? Yes. Okay. So Dubai is one of the most competitive landscapes in the world right now. If you speak to anyone that posts a job on LinkedIn, they'll probably tell you there's about a thousand applicants you can get in 24 hours. It's insane. 
What you have to do is you have to stand out and be recognized. Some of the basic things I'm going to say here that I'm amazed how few people do this. Okay. You've got to have a fantastic LinkedIn profile because people do go to that almost straight away now. They want to see what you do, what your job, all the full profile in there. They also look at how active you are, who you're engaged with. A lot of people keep an eye on that. So make sure you are talking to interesting people and networking in interesting places. The CV that you have, honestly, I think so many different trends, you know, and habits people have with CVs. But the one that I always say that works best in Dubai is the two pager. There's an intro page about you as an individual. And then for each position, you have role, responsibility and achievements. Write it all in a consistent fashion. Put the keywords in there for the job that you're applying because people do do a 30 second scan on the CV. And then once they like it, they then read it in more depth. But if there's a pattern to it, they'll no doubt they'll find it easier to read and it'll stand out because so many people have colorful CVs or put pretty pictures all over them, pie charts, graphs, just not necessary. Pictures, I just don't think that's needed in this day and age. The other thing is, You've got to be a bit persistent about reaching out to people because, as I said, lots and lots of people apply for jobs in Dubai. So the people that get in touch with me and that really stand out are the ones that connect with me on LinkedIn. They do a personal invite. They manage to get hold of my number or email somehow. They're a bit persistent in how they reach me and it works. They're the ones that tend to stand out. You look hungry for the job. These days, it's so easy to apply for a job. It's like buying, I don't know, a bunch of bananas in your online superstore, right? So you've got to do things that will make you stand out. So a fantastic LinkedIn profile, a well thought out uh, CV, and to be persistent, follow up on those jobs or those positions that you are really keen for. Now, looking to the other side, in an era where diversity and inclusion has become so critical, what steps do you think organizations need to take to improve their diversity in hiring? And how can platforms like diversity.io help in this regard? We are always very conscious. I mean, just to give some context here, I invested in an HR, diversity and inclusion HR tech business. So, and I exited from it. So that is something that, that I'm very passionate about. In the Middle East specifically, we're always very conscious of gender diversity for a start, because I think it is typically a market that has been quite male dominated, less so in the communication sector, but a lot of other markets, it is quite male heavy. The other thing that we really sort of like to keep an eye on is the diversity of nationalities for our clients so that they've got a real mixed pool of nationalities that they can choose from. And I think really in this day and age, everyone wants to see a business that is made up of different cultures, different races, different faces, different gender, because the middle-aged male face, they're long gone. You need a much broader opinion. You need to think outside just being completely cookie cutter and skills focused. And I think every recruiter's responsibility now is to put together a diverse pool of candidates. So true. Absolutely important. Looking to the future, what are some of your upcoming projects or goals or what are you excited about? What am I excited about? Well, from our own business perspective, we've basically reshaped our business for what I think is a new age recruitment business. I have specialists in recruitment delivery. I have specialists in customer success and account management, and I have specialists in marketing and business development. Keep in mind, at the beginning of this year, we used to get recruiters to do all three of those things. One person to all three of those things. You know, I don't think that's a sustainable way to grow a business. So we structured and, and have built ourselves that way. A little bit like a tech company, like my the business I invested in, my wife's diversity 
inclusion HR tech business was structured like that. That's how I think the future of recruitment is. I'm excited by how this region is growing. The Middle East is growing. I think there's a huge potential there. We've opened a business in Riyadh, so got lots of lots of interesting projects going on there. I'm doing public speaking as a, a coaching product that we're launching businesses looking to find people in the Middle East and Asia that we're launching as well. So lots of really exciting things for us on the pipeline. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing the tips that you have, for sharing your story with us. Now we've come to the segment of our show where I'll ask you some rapid fire questions, our version of a game show. Are you ready? I'm ready. One key lesson from your time teaching English in Honduras. The key lesson I learned from that was, and that every teacher will tell you this, don't spend most of your time with the naughty kids because they take, they suck your time and <laughs> you can end up focusing on them rather than the ones who are quiet, efficient and getting on with things. And I think that's very true in the workplace. Invest time in your good people and say adios to the people that are causing a lot of problems. I think that's Excellent advice. What is your secret to identifying the best talent? Okay, I always hire attitude, train skill. That's my always be my mantra for the way I brought in people into the business. I think that gives me the opportunity to hire the best people with the right attitude. Obviously, what we're doing in recruitment isn't brain surgery, so I can think like that. If you wanted to go in for some brain surgery, you want someone that's got a background and skill set in it. But in recruitment or in service business, I often think we miss a huge trick by not hiring on attitude. That's our motto as well. We hire for attitude because skill we can teach. What is your pet peeve when interviewing prospective talent? I can't believe so many people that I interview with. And I go, so if you've obviously checked out our website, you know what we do. And they go, you can just see that they haven't. They got a blank look on their face. Hey, it's people that don't prepare and research for a job interview. I think that's also very valuable insight. So anyone listening to this podcast, if you're looking for to get into the field or into the market, do your research. Excellent. Now for your own team, what is one skill you look for when hiring talent for your own team? I think I can probably elaborate on this a bit more as well. I look for resilience. I'm always interested in getting to know what's led that person to sit in front of me today on the day that we have the interview. And I want to hear about times in their life where they've overcome adversity. And I want to understand what drives them. What's the person that they look up to? What motivates them? From that, I find out how resilient someone is and I find out what their true passion and drivers are. I think that's really important for an employer to, under to understand and know that. In this market, particular, you're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get a lot of setbacks. Many of us aren't in the Middle East, are working in markets in our home country. So understanding that a person is resilient and can deal with setbacks, pick themselves up, dust themselves down and go again is hugely important. You want ambitious people to work for your business. So if you understand what their motivators and drivers are, then you can align with their hopes and dreams and hopefully it will be a beautiful marriage. Excellent. I love that. What is your favorite travel destination since you've traveled to so many countries? I've been going to Sri Lanka for years and I think we've got a place, we're fortunate enough to have a place there and I absolutely love the people, I love the food, I love the culture, the weather, the country's gorgeous. I also got to have the benefit of setting up a business there as well. So I would say the south coast of Sri Lanka for a holiday, I absolutely adore it there. That is my winner. Brilliant, I love that. I've not been, so I have to put that on my bucket list for sure. What is one thing that you do every day, no matter how busy you get? I exercise every morning at 6.45. I'm 100% believe that setting your day up in the right way with exercise and with something that's going to make you feel better. I believe in persistence and consistency in that, being persistent and consistent in that sense. It just sets my day up brilliantly. I've always been a morning person and I feel like I'm ready to tackle any challenge after I've done that exercise and put myself through a bit of punishment. 
I wish I could say that. I wish I was a morning person. I simply am not. I'm a night owl. I so wish I was a morning person. It makes me jealous when I hear people are morning people. Good for you. Fantastic. Well, thank you for playing along. That was easy enough. Now, before we wrap up, I would like to ask you about your green pool moment. Could you share an inspiring or life-changing experience that you have gone through your green pool moment? My green pill moment, 100%, is that move I made to go to Honduras. I woke up one morning and thought, I've got to get myself out of my comfort zone and I've got to experience something new, enlightening and refreshing. And uh, I looked in the mirror and literally I walked in and I said that when I woke up, I looked in the mirror and I said, right, you've got the guts to do this because it clearly been playing on my mind for a while. And I went in and resigned that morning and the following afternoon I was researching countries to go to. Not particularly thorough, as I alluded to earlier, but I, I wanted to go somewhere that was completely different and wild. And that decision to go to Honduras was really an enlightening moment because it was so brave. I look back on now and feel so proud of myself for doing that because it gave me heaps of courage and it also allowed me to put some demons to rest that I'd, you know, I'd obviously built up from losing my father and came back a refreshed man who looked at the world completely differently. And when opportunity knocked to come to Dubai, because I'd made that decision to move to Honduras, it was an easy one to make. This move to Dubai I made has been the best one I've ever made. I came out here a single guy and had literally lost my job because of the crash a few months later. And now I look back on it 15 years later, I'm a business owner, a father of three children and have a very nice life. And I can put it all really down to that decision I made to go to Honduras. What a brilliant green pool moment. Uh, it also shows us that sometimes we just have to take the bull by the horns and make that big change. And the change wasn't for money. It was for an experience and for a reset in some kind of way. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and for the insights. Our audience will really thoroughly enjoy this conversation as much as I have. Before we say goodbye, could you please tell our listeners where they can find and follow you? And we'll also put this in the show notes. First of all, thanks so much for having me on. It's been great sharing my story. I think the best way to connect with me, unsurprisingly, as a recruiter is on LinkedIn. Do look me up, Justin McGuire, MCG Talent. Drop me a follow, drop me a message on there, and I'd be uh, delighted to chat with anyone. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you and MCG Talent all the very best. Thank you so much. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.